a good, good group here in the room today. I see some new faces. Uh, we're really glad that you guys are here. My name is Ben. I'm the pastor here at Grace Marietta. Uh, one of the things that we do at Grace that I love is really discipling and investing in the next generation. And I, I'm so thrilled this morning that we were able to model that because you guys were led in worship by Kayla and Emily, who are our residents, who have spent the last year kind of being discipled and trained up with us. Uh, and so uh, we're glad that you guys are here. Girls, great job. Everybody, Tom, you too, buddy. Good work. Uh, Avery, Mark, good work. Uh, I, uh, we started a new series last week called Awakenings, uh, and we're talking about what it looks like to awaken our kingdom dreams, what it looks like for us to live into the calling that God has for us. Uh, because I have this belief that every single follower of Jesus is called for a specific purpose for a specific reason, in, into a specific time, and into a specific place. So all of us, Scripture says, are ambassadors of Jesus. We all have an occupation in the kingdom. And so last week, we introduced the concept of a kingdom dream. This is how we're defining a kingdom dream. A kingdom dream is the good work that God uniquely created you and uniquely called you to do. We take that out of Ephesians chapter 2, Verse 10, where it says, you are the workmanship of God, created to do the good works that God prepared for you in advance. And that those, those good works are actually defined, the, the word there is actually occupation. This idea that every single one of us has an occupation in the kingdom. And one of the questions that I've been wrestling with is, is, is how do we differentiate between what Scripture says about our identity as followers of Christ and what the American church has taught us about our identity as following Christ? Because oftentimes what we do is we become so indoctrinated into the church that we forget that this is what builds our culture. This is what creates the, the rhythms and the patterns and the practices that we live into. And we don't simply look at what has my church done in the past or what did the church that I grew up in do. We look at what is the history of my faith. This is the legacy of our faith. What was taught to the early church? What did Jesus say to his disciples? How was the Spirit leading God's people all throughout Scripture? And so we take our cues from God's Word, God's plans, and God's Spirit rather than just the methodology of the modern church. And so what often happens is we, we, we learn how to live into kind of what the, what the church teaches us to do instead of what God's word teaches us to do. And so what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to draw this up here. This is, this is the American church. There's a little cross there. There's a door here. Good? You guys? I'm a master artist in so many different ways. Yeah. So, so this is the American church. And what, what we've often learned to do is to gather crowds to turn those crowds into volunteers and ask them to do what? Join a small group. How many of you have experienced this call from the church? That we're, you, you come on Sundays, and then the next step after coming on Sundays is you find a spot to volunteer, right? You can serve in the kids' ministry, you can be a greeter, you can... Uh, help uh, with worship. You can. There's lots of different things that you can do. So you volunteer your time, and then if you're really holy, you join a small group. If you've really decided that this is your church, then you decide to join a small group. This has been what, what we've said to God's people. This is what God is asking us. Be part of the crowd. 
volunteer and join a small group. I actually think the scripture teaches us something quite different. All right, so we're just going to, let's just, let's just put a cross here. We're just going to say, this is, this, is what, this is what scripture teaches us to do. It teaches us not to just become a part of the crowd, but it teaches us to become a disciple. Which means that we have a teacher who we follow and try and live like. Right? So, so when we become a disciple of Jesus, it means that we're, we're saying to Jesus, I want to live my life the way that you would want me to live my life. It's living the life that Jesus would live if he were you. It's becoming a disciple and following him and saying, I don't want to just show up on Sunday. I actually want to give my life to something. And then we move from being a disciple to actually going. Jesus' last words to his disciples was go and do what? Go and make disciples, right? We become disciples who make disciples and disciples who go into the world. So the calling on our life is not to volunteer for an hour on Sunday. The calling of our life is for us to be the sent people of God who are sent into the world, sent into the workplace, sent into the mission field over and over again because we are the sent people of God and because we are disciples, we choose to go. And not only do we go, or not only do we become disciples who go, we actually become disciples who go and make disciples. And can you see the disconnection between this request and this request? There is a disconnect sometimes. And one of the reasons there's a disconnect is because we've tried to make church easy. We've tried to make the calling of God on our life something that is palpable and easy for everybody to receive and step into, when the truth is, this is hard. Can I tell you, this is easy, guys. Anybody can show up for an hour a week, anybody can volunteer, and anybody can join a small group. This takes nothing except for an hour a week. And we're glad that you joined us this morning for an hour a week. But it doesn't take a lot. You got dressed, you drove here. Some of you didn't even drive here. You just turned on your computer at home. Right? It's just this, we, we're just here. We're just part of the crowds and, and volunteering and joining a small group. When, when this actually is work and it's hard and it's difficult and it's not easy and it takes an understanding of this idea of a kingdom dream that God has uniquely called you and uniquely created you with a purpose in mind. There's a reason why you're skilled at the things that you are skilled at, and it's not so you can make money. There's a reason why your heart beats for the things that your heart beats for. There's a reason why you have a particular love for a certain people group or a certain issue or a certain justice thing. The reason God has placed that on your heart is because he's created you for a good work that he's prepared in advance. There's a reason that you live where you live, in the neighborhood that you live in. There's a reason why you have the neighbors that you live next door to. There's a reason why you work at the place that you work at. There's a reason why there's three people in the cubicles beside you. There's a reason why. It's because we are the sent people of God. We are the disciples of God who are sent to go and to make disciples. And the reason we have accepted this and not this, is because this is easy and this is hard. Uh, somebody, somebody shout out. I, I really want to hear. I want some interactive uh, stuff today. Uh, what, what was your first job, your very first job? I want to hear some first jobs. Somebody shout out your first job ever. First job. Oh, I hear a lot of Chick-fil-A's. 
Wow, how many were making Christian chicken? That was your first job. Awesome. I actually, I worked at Chick-fil-A in high school and I got fired for giving away fries to my friends. Yeah. My mom wrote a letter to Truett Cathy to tell him that I was innocent, right? Uh, she wanted it on my record. She thought I was going to stain my record for my whole work life. Oh, I hear, I hear Chick-fil-A. What else? Lifeguard? What? Telemarketing. Yes. Everybody loves you, Jessica. Uh, yeah. What else? Drugstore. So my first job, I, uh, I, I, my mom was the office administrator for a dentist, uh, and, he, and he asked me to clean the dentist office. And so I came in on the weekends every Friday, and, and I vacuumed the floor, and I cleaned up all the countertops, and I did all of those things. The, the, the dentist was a little crazy, and he would actually hide things to see if I would find them and clean them up. So he would like put popcorn kernels under like somewhere where I couldn't get to it just to make sure that the cleaning service was doing a good job. And the cleaning service was me as a 14-year-old boy. All right. And I was, as I look back on it now, what I want to say to that kind man uh, is if, if you want it cleaned well, don't hire a 14-year-old boy, right? It, it, like you could have spent the money. I know you were paying me like three cents an hour to clean that. Like, if you, you can't hide popcorn kernels and want it done perfectly and also hire a 14-year-old boy. Uh, I worked at a, I delivered pizzas, uh, which was awful. My car always smelled like pizza uh, all the time. I worked at a fruit farm, uh, like a, a, where I would drive the trucks and unload strawberries and, and that kind of stuff. Uh, I worked at a tennis club. Uh, which was probably, it was actually a pretty good job. I just sat around all day and played tennis. It was really great. Uh, and then I worked at the Kroger Deli. Uh, and I worked, I only worked at the Kroger Deli for two weeks because as I started working at the Kroger Deli, there's like the, you know, you go up and the little kids get the free cookies and there's the bakery and you get your lunch meat and those kinds of things at the counter. I was the only one under the age of 60 that was working there. I was the only male that was in that department, and one of the ladies, the first night I was there, started just patting me on the rear every time I would walk by her. And I thought, this is weird. I don't think that's appropriate, but she's an old lady. God bless her. Maybe this makes her day, right? <laughs> I, like, like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Maybe I, you know, I don't know what you're supposed to do in those situations. I, I'm not used to being patted on the rear by old women very often. Doesn't happen at church a lot. Uh, and, and so I, then what happened was all the ladies started doing it. And so about two weeks in, I was like, no, nah, I'm not going to do this. City. I'm, I'm out on the Kroger deli thing. Here's, I'm so grateful, though. Uh, is there anybody in here, is there anybody in here who you still work your first job that you ever had? Kent? Wedding setup, and you're still doing it. <laughs> but not, not as your occupation, like not your full-time job. You're a writer, Kent. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, for the most part, what happens is we, we start something, right? We start an occupation, we start a job, and then we realize this isn't for me, and then we find another one, and then we find another one, and then we find another one, and then we eventually start stumbling into the things that we love. I'm so grateful that I didn't fall in love with 
working at the fruit farm or the Kroger deli and getting groped, right? Like, I, I'm so grateful for those kinds of things and that that wasn't like my calling on our life. This is what happens in our journey in the kingdom also. What happens is we become awake to what God is calling us to do. So the first thing that happens is we, we have this awakening of God's dream in our life. And so we recognize, wait a minute, I think that this is part of my kingdom calling. Uh, here's, here's some ways to recognize your kingdom calling. One is you feel alive when you do it. You, you, you step into it and you start to feel like, oh, wow, this is fun. I actually enjoy this. Um, here's the second thing. You're actually good at it. You recognize as you're stepping into it, I'm not perfect at this, but, I'm, but I actually know what I'm doing here. And so you become awake to this vision of what God's doing. You, you start to recognize, I'm kind of good at this. I, I enjoy doing this. Uh, here's the third thing. There's actually some fruit when I do it, right? It feels like when I do this, something good happens. This is how we figure out our occupations, right? When you meet with the guidance counselor at your high school and you're trying to figure out what should I major in in college or what do I go on to do or what kind of school should I go to, they start to ask you, what do you love to do? What are you good at? What are you passionate about? What, what do you do that seems to go well? We become awake. The same thing is true in the kingdom of God. What's the thing that we do well that involves making disciples going and, 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 and making more disciples? What's the ministry thing that when you do it, something comes to life in you? you? You feel excitement, you feel passion, you feel joy. And so not only do we become awake, we also become aligned, which means not only do I recognize God's calling and God's dream for my life, but I also begin to recognize God's purpose in my life and I walk in it. So awakening is about seeing. Alignment is about walking. You could say awakening is about hearing from God, and aligning is about doing what God says for you to do. We believe that's the, that's the if you had to disperse and, and say into a kind of tiny sentence, what does a disciple do? What is the job of a disciple? Or how do you train someone to become a disciple of Jesus? We would say you teach them to see and to walk. You teach them to hear and to do. You teach them to know the voice of the shepherd and know what he's saying to you. And then we teach them to walk in that voice. And then what ultimately happens is you become alive. I really, really believe this. We become alive when we step out. When we walk in the way that the Spirit's leading, our faith becomes this adventure. Our faith becomes this joy. Our faith becomes something where we're not just sitting around talking about it, but we're actually doing it. We're actually walking in the things that God has called us to do over and over and over again. And so we become alive to what God is doing, and we become alive. And what happens at that moment is we actually begin to lead. I, we, I run a, an organization called Gravity Leadership, which trains Christian leaders how to make disciples who make disciples. And, and, and that's kind of my secondary job beyond pastoring the church here. And I'm always amazed at people's response when we call them leaders. There are certain people that when you say you're a leader, they're like, no, I'm not. I'm not a leader. Like, I, I'm not a leader in the church. I don't have a seminary degree. I'm not a leader in the church. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a leader in the church because I'm not paid staff. 
I'm not a leader because I don't feel like a leader or, 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 or all of those kinds of things. Scripture actually teaches us that everyone in the kingdom is a leader. Everyone in the kingdom has a job. Everyone in the kingdom has an occupation. Every single one of us are ambassadors of Christ, which means at any moment we could be called on to be the mouthpiece of the holy God. What does an ambassador do? They speak for the king. And so at any single moment, whether it's in your workplace, whether it's at the store, whether it's when you're pumping gas, whether it's, who, who knows when it is, every single moment, every single time, we are all leaders. And here's the challenge, guys. This matrix allows none of us to be leaders except for the guy that has a microphone. And this says all of us are leaders. And here's my question. What gets more results one leader or thousands of leaders. When we treat the church as if it is a show that we come to and attend where a few people perform and are the actors and the rest receive, what we've created is a consumer culture that looks nothing like the biblical mandate of God. When we create a church that equips disciples to go and to make disciples, it's at that point that we're actually being faithful to what God has called us to. I'm going to use this guy today. It's up here, so we're going to use it. Uh, here's a good way to kind of think about it. Sometimes it's helpful for me to understand kind of the either ors that we live in. And so we use these T grids a lot. And, and I, want to, I want to put hearing up here, this idea of hearing from God and I want to put doing over here, doing what God tells us to do. And so this quadrant up here is saying we are hearing from the Lord. This is saying we're doing what he's asked us to do. And so oftentimes what happens is we hear from the Lord without doing, right? So we, we have high hearing and low doing. So we're hearing what the Lord is saying. There, there are some of you in this room who are super prophetic, and you are really good at discerning what the Lord is saying. You can read a passage and you can pull out the truth of that. You can pray and have a discernment moment of what God is saying. And what happens is when we hear, <coughs> excuse me, is we abide. And abiding is actually good, right? Scripture says, abide in me and I in you and you will bear fruit, right? Being connected. We want to be connected to the Father, and we want to abide, the problem becomes when we only abide, right? So when we only sit in these spaces and receive, you can take the, the picture I just drew of the American church is oftentimes people who are sitting and hearing the word of God without doing anything or applying it in their everyday life. And so what happens is we abide. Abiding is hearing without doing. It is abiding without action, the other category is what we do is we do without hearing, right? And so what we do is we advance. And there's good things about advancing, right? Scripture says the kingdom of God is forcefully advancing and forceful men take hold of it. There is a, there is a moment when we are called to advance. There is a moment when we're called to step into the gap. There's a moment when we're called to step out in faith. There's a moment when we're called to risk and challenge and do the things that God has called us to do. The problem is oftentimes what we do is we advance without hearing. And so what happens is we become really, really busy. We're doing all kinds of things in the kingdom, but none of them are the things that we're actually called to. 
So we're busy, right? This is one of the, the hallmarks of the American church. We've become people who are really busy doing stuff that doesn't matter. We're really busy making sure that the crowds, the volunteers, and the small groups are running. And in the process of developing the crowds, the small groups, and the volunteers, we've completely forgotten the disciples. We've completely forgotten to invest in, 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 that, in that group. My, my friend Dave was meeting with a group of church leaders, and he asked them, how much time do you spend on Sunday morning on the production of what you do on Sunday morning versus what you do the rest of the week? And they said, we spend 95% of our time preparing Sunday so that we will have the best worship, the best sermon, the best gathering for people to be a part of. And Dave looked at them and said, you're not a church, you're a production company. Yikes, right? And so what happens oftentimes is we're really busy doing. We're just not doing the work that God has called us to. So we're acting without asking. We're advancing without hearing. And always, here's always what happens when we are busy doing things that are not the things that we're called to do is we are not as fruitful as we could be. This is why this alignment is so important, guys. It's because we want to abide and we want to hear what God is saying. And then from there, we want to advance. And so we become awake and we see and hear what God is doing, but we also learn to walk in it. Uh, if we're not hearing or doing, we're just apathetic. Which, let's not minimize that. I, I can't tell you how many times I sit down with people and leaders and people from the church who just say, my faith is boring. I'm bored with the church. I don't, I don't, I'm not enjoying what I'm doing on an everyday basis right now. I just feel like I'm just going through the motions. I feel like I'm not hearing from God, and I feel like I'm not doing anything of any significance, and I'm just bored. I think this is why young people are leaving the church in droves, guys. It's because we've invited them to, to, to an invitation of come and sit for an hour a week, volunteer, and join a small group, rather than inviting them to go and make disciples who make disciples. One is an adventure. The other is a consumer activity. And so they're bored. We have bored our children to death with the church. Kids, can I get an amen? Somebody. They're all up in the balcony. Uh, so we've bored them to death. Dallas Willard says this. I love what Dallas Willard says. He, when, when talking about if you feel like your faith is dead, he says this. If your prayer life feels like it's dead, it's probably because you're talking to God about things that you aren't doing. If you feel like your faith is boring, it's probably because you have a one-way discussion where you're talking about it, but not doing it. Where we're having discussions about what's happening, but we're not actually walking into all of these things. And where we want to be with all of this, guys, is we want to be aligned. We want to be aligned. I want to be aligned with the Father. I want to walk in step with the Father. I don't want to be lukewarm. I don't want to be neither hot nor cold. Scripture says God will spit you out of your mouth if that's the case. I want to be awake to what God has called me to. I want to understand my calling and my purpose and my kingdom occupation. And then I want to be aligned and walk in that every day. And when we do that, either two things happen. We become dead or alive. <laughs> because the truth is, this is hard. We're going to talk about that in two weeks. The challenge of when we actually do this, it feels like a desert. Nobody wants to do stuff that they're not good at. 
Nobody wants to learn something new. Nobody wants to struggle to figure out how to do something new. Nobody wants to relearn anything, especially when you get as old as me. You're like, I figured it all out. I don't want to do anymore. I don't want to learn anymore. I don't want to go through another test. I don't want to try something that I'm bad at. I figured out some things that I'm good at. I just want to do the stuff that I'm good at. But the kingdom of God actually calls us to step into places where we're doing things that are hard, that are uncomfortable, that are challenging, and where we learn and grow. This is the beauty of discipleship, guys. We never arrive. There's never a place where we're like, okay, I got the certificate. I am discipled, right? My son's graduating from high school in a few months. He's going to walk across a stage. I don't know if it's a real stage or if it's a virtual stage. I don't know what that looks like in 2021. But at some point, either through the mail or putting it in his hands, he's going to get a piece of paper that says, you are a graduate of Kennesaw Mountain High School. We never get that certificate until we get to heaven. And so oftentimes what we think is we, we're, we're, we're educated beyond our obedience. We, we've, we've learned all of this stuff, but we haven't learned to walk in it. We've listened to a, a billion more sermons than we've actually done. Because it's easy and because it's simple. Proverbs 16 says, The plans to, of the heart belong to man, but the answers of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. So, so listen to this. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Commit your work. Commit your occupation. Commit what you're doing to the Lord over and over again and your ways will be established. Uh, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean into your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your path. Psalms 143 verse 10 says, Teach me to do your will which means there is, a, there is a teaching that goes in here. Teach me to follow you. Teach me to walk by your spirit. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. There is a, an adventure here that's awaiting us. There is an excitement. There is a passion. And here's what happens. It doesn't just zap us. Like I, there, there are moments in Scripture where the Holy Spirit falls and the church does nothing and something amazing happens. But more often than not, the pattern of Scripture is as we walk, God reveals himself. That as we put our foot into the Jordan River, the water stops. But if we don't put our foot in there, the water keeps flowing and keeps going. And so we've got to learn to walk in those ways. Dallas Willard said this. He said, we're not waiting on the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is already here. Much of theology, especially in American religion, would give you the impression that we're all just sort of waiting around for the Holy Spirit to strike. And I don't know about you guys, but when I look around our world, and when I look around our community right now, I see real needs. I see real hurts. I see real pain. And when the people of God sit in their congregations every week and join the crowd and volunteer and get in small groups, then the world goes hungry. When the people of God fail to bear fruit, the world goes hungry. And right now, every issue in our country that I can think of, every talking point, every challenge, every struggle, every battle, all of it is a discipleship issue. All of it is because we've taught the church that it's okay to sit around and volunteer and join a small group rather than teaching them to go into the world and make disciples to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jerusalem is the place that's closest to you. 
So you go immediately, where do I start? You start with your neighbor, you start with your workplace, you start right where you've been planted, Jerusalem, and then from there you go to Jerusalem, Judea, which is the next town, then Samaria, and then where? To the ends of the earth. I wanna be an ends of the earth church, not a Jerusalem church. But in order for us to get to the ends of the earth, we've gotta start in Jerusalem. We've gotta start in Cobb County. We've gotta start at Wheeler High School. We've gotta start in our neighborhood right here. That's why we just invested every penny that we had into the park out there. It's because it is our down payment. It is our investment in the kingdom where we're saying we want to invest here. We want fruit here. We want the kingdom here. And we wanna meet people not just in the sanctuary here, but out there. We want to move outside the walls of the church. And we live in this difficult spot where we, we find ourselves on this grid often. And I think some of it is about personality. Right? I, I'm, uh, I, I'm an apostle, an entrepreneur. I love ideas and I love dreams. So my temptation is always to run ahead of God. And, and what happens oftentimes is I get so wrapped up in a million different ideas that I'm never focused. I don't finish things. I don't accomplish things that I said I was gonna accomplish. I get distracted by another good idea and I start jumping into that rather than bearing fruit. And so I become an immature apostle and I'm always advancing without always abiding. There are some of you who your personality is the opposite. You love being with God. You love hearing from God. You love studying his word. You love just sitting in the presence of God's people. You love just being with each other. Right? You just want to care for each other and, and love each other. You really want to make sure that the church is taken care of and the church is loved and that we're hearing from God, all of those things. But the temptation here is we can stay in that place where we're always in his presence when we're in the church, but we don't believe that we're in his presence when we step outside the walls of the church. Here's, here's what I believe. This is the anointing I want to pray over you this year. I want to pray the anointing over you that you feel the power and the presence and the authority of Jesus more when you walk out that doors than when you do in here. I don't want to be a place that just stirs up your emotions every week and gets you fired up about stuff. I want to teach you and train you and equip you so that when you're at your office and, and somebody's sitting over there in the corner and, and you know how to go speak a good news to them, you know how to proclaim the gospel of Jesus to them, you know how to love them and care for them. I want to, I want to develop a group of people that know how to meet needs in our community. Like the vision of Grace Marietta is that we have, we're able to stop doing ministries and programs in the church because the people are the programs of the church. So I don't have to go create a ministry that, that the leaders of the church sponsor and try and find people to sign up for it. We're just unleashing kingdom dreams and everybody's living into their kingdom occupation and we're doing the work of Jesus and we're aligned with the spirit and we're alive because we're stepping in to the joy that he has us walking into. And so what it takes is it takes both imagination and initiative. I'm a good imagination person and a bad initiative person. Some of you are good initiative people and bad imagination people, but we need to have an imagination for what is God asking me to do, and then we have to have, to have the initiative to actually go and do it. Walter Brueggemann says this. He said, imagination must always come before implementation. Our culture is, is competent to implement almost anything and to imagine almost nothing. The same consciousness that made it possible to implement anything and everything is the one that shrinks the imagination because imagination is a danger. Thus, every total, total, totalitarian 
regime, regime, I can't, I'm having trouble getting through that. Totalitarian regime is frightened by the artist. It's the vocation of the prophet to keep alive the ministry of imagination, to keep up conjuring and proposing new futures and new alternatives to the single one that we are called to. The job of the prophet is to stir the imagination of God's people. And I've been praying that this series, that this start of the year, would be a prophetic stirring that stirs your imagination into not just saying amen when I say what the church should be, but to imagination of what's your role in it. An imagination of what your job in the kingdom is. Isaiah 43 says, Remember not the former things, or consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. It now springs forward. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness, and I will make a river in the desert. I've been sitting on this verse for like six months now, because this has been such a hard year. And at times, it feels like God's not doing anything. It feels like it's just work, and it's effort, and it's difficult, and it's challenging. And I love the language here. Don't, don't, don't remember the former things, because I'm tempted right now as a pastor and as a leader to remember where we were on February 1st, 2020. Where we were as a church was we were growing so rapidly that we had just moved to two services. We were filling two services up. Our budget had tripled because so many people were coming to church. There was so many good things happening. We were getting ready to build a park. We had just started raising the money to do this new initiative. And there were all of these young people around. And there were all of these people excited about church. And there was this passion and joy. When we worshiped, we didn't have to beg you to clap. Everybody was clapping, right? There was excitement. We weren't wearing masks. And everybody was just jumping around in the room. There were times when there were people standing around the back because there just weren't enough seats, even though we pulled seats in. And sometimes I look around and I'm just like, Lord, could you just give me the former thing? Could I have the February 1st, 2020 thing back? And what he says to me is, behold, I'm doing a new thing. It's springing forward. Ben, can you not see it? It's different, but it's good. What's the thing that you're looking back on February 1st, 2020 and saying, I just want this. I just want the former thing. I just want the thing you were doing before. I don't want any of this other stuff that you're doing. And God's saying, no, 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 no. You are an ambassador of the kingdom. You are my spokesperson. You are called by me. You have my power and my authority. You are my son and you are my daughter, which means the job is not finished. And what I'm afraid of is that the church has gone underground and gotten scared in COVID rather than going out and becoming the church that meets the needs and becomes the rescue party. Abraham Heschel says to pray is to dream in league with God. I love that. It's to dream in league with God. It's, it's this idea where I'm just, I'm just walking with him and I'm just saying, all right, Lord, what does today look like? Tomorrow morning, guys, every single one of us will wake up and we'll have a day in front of us. We will have 24 hours in front of us what God wants in those hours. How many of us actually wake up and say, all right, Lord, if I'm your ambassador, if I'm called for your purpose, if I have a job to do in the kingdom, then what's my to-do list for the kingdom today? I'm great with to-do lists. I got a long to-do list of stuff I want to get done at Grace Marietta this week. 
I got a long to-do list of stuff that I need to get done for Gravity Leadership this week. I never get through my to-do list on any given week. You know what I rarely ever do? Is just make a to-do list of this is what I'm supposed to do for the kingdom this week. These are the people that I'm supposed to call and encourage. This is the person that I need to sit down and love and serve. This is the way that I need to bless somebody. This is the resource that I need to give away. This is the teaching that I need to do. This is the training that I need to do. This is what life in the kingdom looks like. And so my question for all of us this morning is, where is God speaking to you? Where do you find yourself today in this grid? Have you been listening without doing? Have you just been apathetic and just going through the motions? Have you been running ahead of God and outpacing him and being really busy but not being focused? Or have you just found your sweet spot and you're starting to align with your kingdom calling and coming to life inside of this? Where have you been satisfied with hearing without doing? Where have you been running ahead of God without direction? And what does it look like this week for you to be intentional? What does it look like this week for you to make a a kingdom to-do list? What does it look like for you to quiet yourself at the beginning of the week? Because alignment is abiding and advancing. It's not one without the other. So what does it look like this week for you to abide and then go where the, where, where the kingdom of God leads, even when it's scary and even when it's difficult. Luke chapter 6 says this, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my saying and does them, I will show them what he is like. For He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood rose and the stream beat vehemently against the house, it could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing, he who heard and did nothing, is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation, against which the stream beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of the house was great. My concern is that when we think about the foundations that we're building in our lives, that we're building foundations without actually hearing and that we're actually not stepping in to the kingdom things that God has called us to. So listen, I want to release some tension in the room right now because I think this is a challenging message. I I hope that you're feeling challenged. I hope that you're feeling stretched. I said last week, I hope that the next month feels like working out, coming to church. And I hope that you feel like, ah, this is hard. This is uncomfortable. This is not, if you don't feel uncomfortable at church, then you're probably not hearing God's word. And so I want to stretch us and I want to challenge us, but here's what I want to challenge you with. We don't have to arrive today. One of my favorite statements is every single week, I'm taking one step closer to the kingdom. And so this week, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not asking you to quit your job and go start a ministry, right? I would actually like to talk to you about that and let's discern that and let's do it wisely, right? That would actually probably be this, right? We're just running ahead. I'm not asking you to radically change everything in your life this week or this moment. What I'm asking you to do is what does it look like for you to take one step closer to the kingdom? What does it look like for you to take one step closer to the kingdom calling that God has given you in your life? What's one thing? What's one practice? What's one moment? What's one exercise? What's one thing that you can do in the kingdom this week that's going to take you one step closer? to Jesus and his calling on your life.
So we're going to move into a time of prayer, and, and we're going to take communion together. You guys were all given the elements as you came in. If not, they're on the tables here on the side or in the back. And I want us to do that right away, just take that communion together. And then I want us to corporately sing together. We've been talking about praising and worshiping. And so I want us to just take a minute to take communion, to have a quiet moment before God, maybe start thinking about what's the one thing this week that I'm called to. And then I want us to leave just kind of singing. We want to be awakened. We want to be awakened. We want to become awake. We want to become aligned and we want to become alive. And this is the call of our church for this year. It's for us to be doers. It's for us to walk in faith. It's for us to get outside the walls of the church. So Heavenly Father, I pray that your imagination would rule and reign. I pray that our prayers really would be dreaming in league with you. And I pray that you would begin to teach us your vision for our life. I pray that you would call us out of complacency you would call us out of sitting tight and wrapping up in holy huddles and you would call us to the places of need in our community. You would call us to love and to serve and to care. And even in a year where it's difficult and we can't necessarily be with large groups or go out house to house or do all of these kinds of things, I pray that you would stir up a, an imagination of how we safely and lovingly reach our neighbor, how we safely and lovingly care for the people around us. We trust that you are the author of our imagination. We trust that you are the one who spoke the world into existence, and so you can speak a dream into our lives today. And so I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would unleash kingdom dreams. And I pray that you would begin it today. We love you. Thank you.